steps are, uh, you've got to kind of layer this time of year so that you can, uh, you know, start off, uh, you know, coat and then lose it by the end of the day because it's 80 degrees outside. Um, but uh, the sun is uh, shining and pollen is uh, burgeoning out and uh, making a lot of us miserable. And, uh, but uh, as much as I hate pollen, I like uh, the flowers and the, the new growth that the pollen brings. So I guess I've, I'll, I live with the pollen, take some medicine. And, uh, but we're so glad that you're here. And uh, this morning, if you have your Bibles, I invite you to turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. And uh, I'm going to ask you this morning, what's on your mind? And, you know, we tend to uh, think, some of us overthink, some don't think enough. And uh, if you don't know which category you fall in, uh, you probably fall into the latter. But uh, <laughs> so, uh, but no, I'm teasing. But uh, you, uh, but we all think, and we have to be careful. Scripture warns us and admonishes us over and over again to be careful about the things that we think about, um, and where we put our mind, and when we allow. Um, and the reason is because when we allow bad stuff, when we see it, it gets into our heart, it gets in there, and when we listen to it, it seeps in. And, but guess what happens? When something goes in, eventually it comes out. And so if we digest and we've watched and we've listened and we've thought about evil things and we've thought about you know, sinful things and and all of that, and we or we've thought about how uh, we've thought about negative things. I'll just put it that way. Doesn't that affect our spirits? And it affects every part of our life. And so the Apostle Paul uh, tells us in uh, Philippians four. He said, "Find the good thing." And think on those. Anything that's beautiful and praiseworthy and wholesome, think on these things. Uh, and part of the reason is is because when we allow negative, th- and it's not that we're poly, you know, we just keep our nose in the or the, our head in the sand, uh, or we just ignore reality, or we're just all, you know, happy all the time. You know, that that's not. Reality. That's not what Scripture encourages us with. We, we need to face reality, but at the same time, we need to not let reality overshadow God and God's work in our life. And I tell you that if you watch the news, there was a time I would watch various news programs. You know, and I'd watch the news when I got home from, from the office, and I'd you know, watch it at 7, watch it at 8, watch it. At, and you know what? That began? My blood pressure began to rise crazy. And I couldn't sleep at night. And I wondered, and finally I realized, you know what? Why, why is that happening? Because I'm listening to all this junk, uh, and, it, and I'm getting upset by all this junk uh, that's going on in this world, and, and all the stupid stuff that people are doing, and our leaders are making you know dumb decisions, and I just get worked up about it, so I can't go to sleep. Well, so you know what? Not so. I still will watch the news occasionally, but I don't digest it near. Uh, as much and in shorter doses, and, and uh, you, you know, and so, uh, what does that have to do with anything? Well, Paul reminds us in First Corinthians chapter two 
there's something, or actually someone, who is always supposed to be on our mind. And when he's on our mind, the things of this world do not seem so overwhelming. And so let's take a look, find out what they are. We're going to read 1 Corinthians chapter 2 um, this morning. Verse 1 says, And I, brethren, when I came to you, did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom, declaring to you the testimony of God. For I determined not to know uh, anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. However, we speak wisdom among those who are mature, yet not the wisdom of the age, nor the rulers of this age, who are coming to nothing. But we speak the wisdom of God in a mystery, the hidden wisdom which God ordained before the ages for our glory, which none of the rulers of this age knew, for had they known, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. But as it is written, I has not seen nor ear heard, nor have entered into the heart of man the things which God has prepared for those who love him. But God has revealed them to us through his Spirit, for the Spirit searches all things, yes, the deep things of God. For what man knows the things of man except the spirit of man which is in him? Even so, no one knows the things of God except the spirit of God. Now we have received not by the spirit of the world, but the spirit who is from God, that we might know the things which have been freely given to us by God. These things we also speak, not in words which man wisdom teaches, but which the Holy Spirit teaches, comparing spiritual things with spiritual. But the natural man does not receive the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, nor can he know them, because they are spiritually discerned. But he who is spiritual judges all things, and yet he himself is rightly judged by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord? that he may instruct him. But we have the mind of Christ. And so Paul here writes to this church that he dearly loved and is writing because they were uh, behaving in ways that were not uh, healthy and not good for a, a Christian church. And so uh, Paul is writing, and remember he began on a good note. He kind of said, listen, you're doing some good things, and... Uh, you know, I pray for you, and I'm thankful for you. Um, and he talked about how important a relationship with Jesus Christ is. Well, and now he's turning a corner a little bit and getting to what the purpose of his letter is, and that's to remind us that we are not to live according to this world, and that our mind is not to be centered on the things of this world. But our minds and our lives are to be centered upon Christ. And we're to have the mind of Christ. And he's going to reiterate that point here later on in this letter. And he reiterates that same point in one of his other letters. He's going to say, listen, let the mind of Christ dwell in you. 
Well, what is that? How does that happen? How do we not let this world overtake us and defeat us and keep us from reaching uh, the future that God has designed us for? It's not that we are... He's not talking about you know, uh, health and prosperity, God, you know, that, hey, if you follow Jesus, you're going to get rich, and you're going to have everything you want, and that's, that doesn't work. That's not reality, and that's not what the Bible teaches, but the Bible does teach that when you uh, walk with the Lord and you give your life to him, you have all you need because you have him. He says, listen, I don't, you know, try, I can't convince you. And you know what, sometimes there's people that, you know, they're saved by mom or dad pressuring them. You know, that's the reason they come to church or they get baptized or they make a profession of faith or whatever else. And you know what, when that happens, it usually doesn't last very long because it was man pressure. And it was, you know, once that pressure was off or it, it was removed, they went back to their old way. But when Jesus Christ gets a hold of your heart and changes you, then you really are changed because you're made brand new. And so Paul's saying, listen, remember that I came, and and I think Paul was an eloquent, he was a very gifted speaker and preacher of God's word. And he knew how to argue with people. He knew how to uh, present uh, the gospel and how to... Uh, talk with people and answer questions that they had about faith. He was a very educated man. But Paul understood that, you know, uh, arguments and fancy words are not what bring eternal life. What brings eternal life, what brings change, what brings transformation is God working in your life. And God changing you. And so Paul begins by reminding them of some important truths and reminds us, because listen, there are all kinds of forces today. You know, it was hard in Paul's day in the first century to live a godly Christian life. He didn't have the internet. He didn't have television. He didn't have cars. He didn't have, uh, you know, motorboats. He didn't have, you know, baseball and football and and all of these entertainments and things that we have today, and it was hard enough for him. It is especially hard today. And there are, it seems like more and more things pulling us away from God. There's all kinds of things in this world, and this world is set against God, and we need to understand that, and the things of this world are set against God. And I tell you that the idolatry of things and stuff have pulled more people away from God than perhaps anything else. Not that they weren't good people and not that they didn't want to, you know, know God, but they loved their stuff way more than they loved God. And they weren't willing to give it up. And so they missed heaven. And so uh, the things of this world, the natural man, as Paul says here, and natural man's ways are not going to get you where you need to be with God. God created you. And he knows all about you. He knows why you're here. 
And you weren't here to be happy. You weren't here to have lots of stuff. You were here to worship God. To know Him and to make Him known. How do we have the mind of Christ in this busy, crazy world that we live in today? Well, I want to share a couple things with you. And the first is this, that we have to remember, first of all, that we are changed by Jesus. You are not changed by will. Every one of us, at some point in in your life, have had some bad habit. And you say, you know what, I'm going to stop doing that. And guess what happens most of the time? Now, occasionally, there are the outliers that are successful. Most of the time, we make those resolutions or those decisions, we say, I'm going to stop doing whatever it is. Most of the time, it don't work. We might not do it for a day or maybe even a whole week. By the next month, we've forgotten about that and we've moved on. We say, well, I tried. Maybe next year. We've all done that. Your will, your desire, you know, even good desire is not what makes change. The only thing that can change you and the only thing that can change me is a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. It is not by enamoring yourself with the things of this world. It's not by learning more stuff, becoming smarter in the ways of this world. It's by knowing Jesus and being more and more like Him. It's searching God's Word. It's coming to know the Lord more and more and more. We'll get to that in just a minute. But Paul wants us to understand. He said, listen, you are changed not by Paul's fancy preaching. And you're not changed by going to church, although I'm a pastor. I think you ought to be in church, and I'm glad that you're here today. And I expect to see you next Sunday as well. Uh, And again, bring somebody with you. But coming to church does not make you right with God. Coming to church doesn't make you a Christian any more than going to McDonald's makes you a cheeseburger. It's a good thing. But that's not what changes you. So if it's not my will that changes me, and it's not uh, going to church that changes me, what is it? Well, Paul tells us here in the second chapter, he says, listen, you are changed not by the things of this world, but by the power of God. You know what? Jesus Christ can set addicts free and give us new life. He can change people that once were this and change them into something else. We can't do that on our own. But we serve a God that can. And will, if we'll allow him. He's not going to force his way. But if we'll allow him, he will change us. And the change that Christ wrought in our life changes everything. And when we find that, you know, once we were hopeless, 
And once we were empty and you know, we were seeking after stuff and we had stuff and we wanted better stuff. And when we had the better stuff, we found, you know what, that really didn't, yeah, it was nice, but that's not really what that emptiness is. It's because we weren't made for stuff. Stuff was made for us. We were made for God. And every one of us has a need to have a relationship with God. And here's the thing, because of sin, every one of us comes into this world separated from God. But because of God's love and grace and because of the work of Jesus Christ on the cross of Calvary, God changed our destiny. And he changed our outlook. He not only changed our outlook, but he changed what we were made of. Because when we become a child of God, Scripture says, and Paul's going to say to the Corinthians in his next letter, hey, if you're in Christ, you are a new creation. All things have been made new. You can't do that on your own. Church can't do that, but Jesus can. And so quit looking in the wrong things to change you, things that can't change you, and start going to the one that can change you. And that's Jesus. And I wish the process, by the way, was overnight and immediate and permanent, it's not. It takes time. And it takes Jesus, you know, doing surgery, corrective surgery sometimes, multiple times. Because he might fix an issue one time, and you know what? It'll pop back up, and he'll have to cut it out again. But the thing is, he's able to do it. He has the power and the knowledge and the ability to do it, and he will do it. And so the answer is... Have, how do we have the mind of Christ? We remember and we allow Jesus to change us. John the Baptist gave us the recipe of how that happens. Remember when you went to Jesus early in the Gospel of John? It says, John the Baptist made this statement. I must decrease so that he might And I tell you, the more you have of Jesus in your life, the more you'll be like Jesus. And the more of the mind of Jesus will be a part of your life. This side of heaven, I don't think you'll ever arrive fully at it, but you ought to be getting better at it. One day, when this old sinful body is done away with and we are redeemed and finally make it to heaven, then we will finally be made whole. And we will finally put off the infirmities of the things of this world. But even that only happens because of Jesus. Not because of what you've done, but because of what he's done. But then, secondly, not only are we changed by Jesus, but we have to learn like Jesus. You remember when Jesus was a little boy. The first time we find him after the birth narrative in the Gospels, and the only t 
teenage year episode we have of Jesus' life. They had gone to Jerusalem for the Passover, and you know, they were the high point of the of the year for for Jews. And Jesus w- went along with Mary and Joseph. And several other family members went along, and they had this great caravan. They just went trucking down to Jerusalem. They had a wonderful uh, celebration, and then they began to go home. And two late two days into the trip, Mary goes, "Hey, where's Jesus?" I don't know. I thought he was with you. Well, I thought he was with you. Oh, my goodness, these two parents have lost the Savior of the world, the one that God had sent angels and entrusted him to, and they'd lost him. And so they turned everybody around, back to Jerusalem they go. And you remember where they found Jesus? He was at the temple, at the Lord's house, with the rabbis, discussing the deep things of God. Mary, being that worried mother, ran up to Jesus, and I'm sure she smothered him with kisses and hugs, and then she, after she did that, checked and made sure he was okay, she said, Boy, what do you mean worrying me like that? Where have you been? Why didn't you come with us? And Jesus nodded, though it seems in our English uh, a little bit sarcastic, Jesus was not being disrespectful to his mother. He said, Mama, do you not know that I must be about my father's business? Don't you remember that I'm special, that God has sent me here to draw people? And when we find Jesus, we find him oftentimes in the temple. And when he's in the temple, he's worshiping as they did, and uh, he goes to the celebrations and to the sacrifices and all those things. And he does all those things that, that good Jewish boys did growing up. And even into adulthood, he went to, to synagogue and temple the way that he was supposed to. Even when he wasn't, we find him a lot of times in the Gospels. When we find him, he's preaching. Or he's healing people. He's always taking conversations and turning them into spiritual things. Jesus learned in two ways. He learned by studying God's Word. Now, he was a little bit different because not only did he study it, but he wrote it. He's partly the author of Scripture. And he's also the subject of Scripture. And yet we find him with the rabbis as a teenage boy talking about Scripture that was promising that he was going to come and what he was going to do a few years later. And then as an adult, we find him teaching and ministering and healing people and uh, doing all kinds of great things. You know, you learn not just by reading. In fact, studies show over and over again that we retain things best when we not only hear them and read them, but experience them. When all three of those things come together, that's when... 
you know, l- retentive, l- when we really get it and we digest it. And so most of the time, far too often, we take God's what we read it. But then we forget about it. And we don't really do anything with it. Jesus reminded, if we're going to have the mind of Christ, it means when we come to God's word, we're going to not only read it, but we're going to think about it. And we're going to put it into action. So when the scriptures say rejoice, we rejoice. Just don't fret. We're not going to fret. It says, take courage. We're going to take courage. And so we not only know it, we study it, but we live it out. A lot of folks that have the Bible memorized. There's some agnostic folks that have the Bible memorized. Satan probably has a good bit of the Bible memorized. But it's not having the Bible memorized that makes a difference. It's knowing the author, but then also living it out, allowing it to impact your life. And so Jesus learned not just by gathering knowledge, but by doing. And so if we want to have the mind of Christ, that means we've got to learn to do the things that Jesus did. And that brings me to my last point this morning, and that is we must serve life. Though Jesus was king of kings and lord of lords, he didn't come in a palace, did he? And he didn't come with a sword. In fact, he allowed a sword to pierce through his side. Jesus showed us and reminded us what Paul's talking about here in 1 Corinthians chapter 2. this world's way, say, hey, listen, you want to defeat your enemy? Bring the biggest weapon you've got and you come and you just wallop them, wallop them, wallop them, give them all you got. Jesus said, no. If you want to defeat evil, do good. He said, evil's not ever going to overcome evil. But the scripture does assure us that good does overcome evil. Ultimately, at the end, but even throughout, on our way to the end, good still wins. The good work that Jesus did on the cross of Calvary cancels out our sin. Jesus... Mark said it this way, he said, you know what? Jesus was God, but he didn't think it was robbery to be called man. He was fully God, but he was also fully man, and he embraced both. And because he was both, he was able to pay our sin debt. But Jesus shows us and reminds us that leadership and greatness and power is not in authority or in might. But it's in love and grace. It's in serving others and in expecting nothing in return.
if we'll adopt these things, if we'll allow ourselves to be changed by Jesus, and if we'll learn to learn like Jesus, living, living out God's Word, and if we'll serve like Him. And how did Jesus serve? Did Jesus serve Himself? He did not serve Himself. He served others. And in John chapter 13, that we'll talk about on Friday night, Jesus came and washed His disciples' feet. And you remember He said to them, If I, your Lord and Master, have washed your feet, so you so should you ought to wash one another's feet. Isn't that good news? So how do we get through this crazy world and how do we keep our mind focused on what God has for us? We keep our mind on Christ. And we learn like Him. And we're being constantly changed by Him. And that starts the moment we come to trust Him. But that's not the end of it. That's only the beginning. God, as long as we're on this earth, He's continually working on us, getting, trying to change us and get us more and more like Him. And perhaps we're never more like Jesus than when we're serving those less fortunate than us. Or when we're not demanding our own way. But when we, instead we're concerned about others. May God help us to have the mind of Christ. Let's pray together. Lord, we love you. Thank you for your goodness and your love to us. Lord, we thank you that you loved us enough and we were on your mind that you came to earth and you lived a perfect life and you gave that life on the cross of Calvary and you shed your innocent blood that whosoever would call upon the name of the Lord should be saved. Lord, if there's one here today, one watching on the internet, that doesn't know you, they've never trusted you, they've never received that free gift, would you help them today to call upon you? Perhaps there's one of your children here today, Lord, and they're not where they ought to be with you. Their mind is on the things of this world and it's showing in their life. And Lord, today the Spirit would say to them, you know what, you can change that. And the way to change it is to turn loose of this world and grab a hold of Jesus. So maybe there's one here today that needs to rededicate their life to you. Maybe there's some that are holding struggles and they're holding issues and battles, Lord. And they're trying to fight it on their own and they're trying to change themselves. And in reality, the only thing that can change us is you. Maybe today we just need to surrender to you and say, Lord, change me that I would be the man, that I would be the woman that you created me to be. Help us today to make the decisions you've called us to make. And we'll praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together and uh, if there's a decision you need to make today would be a great day and this would be a great time to make uh, that decision uh, as, as we sing this morning.
if you'd like to turn in your hymn, whoa, need a little power here. Am I on? Hello, hello, there we go. If you'd like to turn in your hymn book, this is one we did last week. This is number 288, He Touched Me.